Today's episode of The Overwhelmed Brain is brought to you by GetOutOfTheMess.com. Real attorneys at established law firms for around 20 bucks a month. You can't beat that. Are you annoyed by affirmations? What about when someone tells you to think positively? When you feel bad about something, just turn it around and feel good. Feeling down? Turn it around. It's as easy as flipping a switch. Now let's all sing a happy no, tune. No, 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 no. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks for visiting. Uh, we'll see you much, much later. If affirmations feel like lies and positive thinking feels like a straight path to denial, then you're in the right place to start creating the life you want now. Hello, and welcome to The Overwhelmed Brain, the personal growth show for critical thinkers. I am your host and personal empowerment coach, Paul Coliani. On every episode, we talk about practical down-to-earth steps that you can take to improve your mood and keep you sane in this powerful journey we call life. I want to help you bridge the gap between your emotions and reason, causing you to discover why you do the things you do and what you can do to get closer to happiness and much, much farther from stress and overwhelm. Everything I talk about in this show should not be translated as actual medical advice or treatment and is intended for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your medical treatment. What you will find here is an increase in your emotional intelligence, a strengthening of your self-worth and self-esteem, the confidence to be your authentic self, and the tools and life skills to help you learn, heal, grow, and evolve. All right. Uh, as of today in the U.S. and other places, it is Christmas. If you're listening on the day this releases, December 25th, 2016. And if you celebrate, Merry Christmas. And if you don't, well, congratulations. You tuned into the overwhelmed brain. <laughs> and no matter what, I appreciate that you're here and that you're listening, hopefully on your new, I don't know, iPhones, tablets, computers, whatever you listen to this podcast on. And um, if you're celebrating and you're getting presents, hopefully it's a new device of some sort or not. Or maybe you don't celebrate and you're just uh, enjoying your day or not. Or maybe you're going through something really crappy right now. Like you're going through a breakup or a loss or some other thing that happened in your life. No matter why you're here, thank you for being here. I am grateful for you. And I want to talk about something that uh, came in through the uh, patron program, the TOB patron program. One of the members there asked me a question through uh, the email coaching program that I do, and his question was on jealousy and how he gets very, very jealous of the people that he's with for various reasons. And I won't tell you what those reasons are or uh, what it's all about because um, I do respect privacy through the uh, email coaching that I do. But I wanted to address it on this show I did respond to him uh, personally, but there's more I want to say on it because uh, jealousy is uh, can be a big problem in your life. I know it was for me when I was a teenager, into my 20s, and even into my 30s, <laughs> and uh, it needs to be addressed because, and I've received emails before regarding jealousy, like, I get so jealous, and I think I've addressed that on uh, the show as well, but I'm going to dedicate this segment specifically to jealousy and what uh, maybe we can do about it, what uh, we need to focus on, who we need to focus on, um, what healing needs to take place, so on and so forth. I mean, first and foremost, without even looking at my notes, 
I see jealousy as a fear of not being wanted, not being loved, not being liked, not um, receiving attention, not feeling important, uh, being abandoned, feeling rejected. And um, jealousy is all the maybe some anger and some fear that kicks in that uh, is protection for ourselves. So just in case somebody's doing something that we think is against us or not in our best interest, then this anger or fear kicks in and then what do we do about it? We might scream or yell or cry or we might mope and give someone the silent treatment or we might do something that I did when I was younger, which I don't like to admit, <laughs> and that is sneak around and watch my girlfriend behind her back. I don't recommend that for a lot of reasons, but that's what I did. I did that one day when I thought she was seeing someone else or she was talking to someone else, but their relationship was getting too close for my comfort. So I uh, drove up to her work, parked somewhere where she couldn't see my car, and then watched her from behind the bushes. It was pathetic, <laughs> but it happened and I did it. And I'm very transparent about it because I don't want you to fall into that same trap that I was in, that place of jealousy where it controls you and it controls your actions, or at least it feels like it does. I mean, I, I did things that certainly I wouldn't dare contemplate today. I don't want you to fall into that trap. I don't want you to get into a place where you feel like you need to do these things just to find out the truth. I mean, yes, you probably do want to find out the truth, but the difference is what are you making up and is it coming from a place of insecurity inside yourself or is it coming from hard data that you're getting and you need to find out the truth so you might have to do some sleuthing. I'm not here to discuss that. <laughs> I'm not here to discuss what you need to do if you suspect uh, something that someone did. Uh, although talking to them is certainly a good uh, first step, <laughs> being honest, saying, hey, you know, I'm, I'm getting these feelings and you're talking to these people or you're doing these certain things and I don't like it. And let's talk about this. Let's talk about the fact that I don't like it. Maybe I'm being unreasonable. You know, you want to do that kind of self-expression and talk to your partners and friends and family and life. But what do you do about the jealous feeling? And that's what I'm here to talk about today. And what I'm going to do is that um, I actually had to think about my past and when I got jealous and remember what I went through, what my thought processes were, just so I could access this so I'd have some level of reference when I talk about it. Because it's hard for me to get jealous today. And I believe that's mostly because I've built up my self-confidence, my self-esteem, and my self-worth. And I believe once you do those things, once you build those things up, then you feel pretty good about yourself and you're no longer comparing yourself to other people. And if you can get to that stage where you're building those things, you do end up feeling pretty good about yourself and you don't have to worry so much, or at least at the level that you used to worry. I mean, I'm sure there are other things that you'll find to worry about, but for the most part, you won't have to worry if you are confident in who you are and know that, hey, I'm a pretty damn good catch. <laughs> and this could be with, um, you know, romantic relationships or friendships or uh, even in job situations, like someone gets uh, promoted and you don't, and now you feel jealous. And there are times to um, be maybe angry about these things. Like I've been working here for five years and this person just walked in the door and they got promoted over me. 
you might have a reason to feel angry about something like that. Uh, but is it jealousy that you should feel or maybe you're feeling something else? But all these things that go through our head when we have these events in our life where we feel slighted, maybe we feel less important than someone else. We compare ourselves to someone else and we think or believe that we're not worthy or we're not good enough. They're better than us or any of a number of other events that could occur in our life that creates this complex formula that uh, we define as jealousy. So what I've done today is, like I said, I had to recall what it was like to be jealous, especially in my most jealous stage in my teens and 20s. What was going through my mind? And I decided to write out this script of me talking to myself as if I were there back then when I was jealous. And it's a pretty interesting conversation that I had with myself. And I'm going to share it with you because I think there's a lesson or two in here. And I think you'll get a lot from it. So what I did, and I encourage you to do this with yourself as well, is access the feelings of jealousy in you. And when I did that with me, I wrote this stuff down. I wrote uh, fear of abandonment and I wrote down anger. And then I thought of a situation. You know, I, I could probably come up with some more emotions and feelings, but um, I immediately came up with the situation. So if you're doing this on paper yourself, just write down whatever comes to mind. And so I wrote down, or I, I did it on my computer. I said, don't want her to talk to that guy. And then my other self, my um, curious uh, coaching self, steps back and starts asking me questions. And we all have this inquisitive, curious coaching self within us. So that's what you access. You step out of this situation and you ask yourself questions as if you were your own therapist or coach. And the, the question that came up to me was, why? Why don't you want her to talk to that guy? And I said, because he might come on to her. And I asked, how is that a problem? And I said, and I'll just keep reading this as if um, we're having the conversation now. He's moving in on my territory. What's your territory? Moving in how? Well, my territory is my girlfriend. He's trying to figure out how to get closer to her, probably to have sex. So when you think about him trying to move in on your girlfriend with the intention that he wants to have sex with her, how is that a problem? What? He needs to mind his own business. Find his own girl. Why? Because she's mine. So you believe you own your girlfriend? Well, no, but I don't want to lose her. So do you feel that way when girls talk to her? I mean, what if a girl came up to her and started flirting with her? Would you be jealous? <laughs> no, that wouldn't bother me at all. In fact, it would be sort of funny because she's not gay. Well, why is that different? Well, I know she wouldn't go for a girl, but she would go for a guy. Yes, she went for you and you're a guy. Right. So you only get jealous when there's a guy flirting with her. No, I mean, if she has a guy friend and they're just talking... I also get jealous. Why? Um, because she's sharing her time with someone other than me. Oh, I see. So when you think about her sharing her time with guys, does it bother you? Yes, absolutely. But not so much with other women. Uh, well, if she spends a lot of time with them and not with me, 
I feel like I'm being ignored. Ah, okay, got it. So there may be several layers to this. Yeah, probably. When you think about her spending an hour with a guy, let's say they met for a business lunch, do you get jealous then? Yes, I do. What about if that business lunch was with a girl? Do you get jealous then? No, not at all. All right, what about a dinner engagement with a guy? She's out for three or four hours and they have a few drinks, talking and having a great time. That would make me angry. How about she's doing the same thing with her girlfriend or many of her girlfriends? Well, I wouldn't be angry, but I'd be lonely and sad that I'm not with her. I'd feel more rejected than anything. Ah, got it. So do you feel threatened when men talk to her? Mmm, threatened? Do you feel that another guy talking to your girlfriend is a threat? Sort of. I don't know if threat is the right word. Well, what do you feel? I feel like she doesn't care about me. Because she talks to another guy? Yeah, she should only need to talk to me. Oh, that's interesting. Why? Why? Uh, because I should be enough for her. Oh, okay, so if there were no other guys on the planet, would you feel like you were enough for your girlfriend? <laughs> Heck yes, with no other guys around? I am the best there is because I'm the only one. Okay, so now, what if she goes out with her girlfriends one night and spends hours and hours with them while you're at home? Using the same scenario, you're the only guy on the planet. Well, I don't feel so bad then. I know that she's coming home to me because I'm the only option. She has no choice. <laughs> I know that no matter what, if she wants a guy in her life, I'm that guy. So, when there's no men other than you, you feel more confident and assured that she'll always choose to come back to you. Yep. Why don't you feel confident or assured any other time? Well, because other guys might be better than me. Oh, so you're comparing yourself to other guys. Of course. I mean, there are guys that are smarter, they make more money, they're stronger, they're better looking, they have better genes. I mean, where do I begin? There are so many types that she could get that I could be left in the dust. So when you compare yourself to any or all those other guys, how do you feel? Well, I feel small. Why? Oh, there, there are so many other people that are better than me in all the ways I just described. So if you saw a better looking guy and your girlfriend started talking to him, you'd get jealous. Yeah, especially if he was more charming and made more money. I see. So you don't think you're charming enough? Well, no, I mean, I think I'm charming enough because uh, she fell for me. So you think someone else who's even more charming could come along and sweep her off her feet? Yeah, probably exactly that. <laughs> Is charm the only thing she looks for in a guy? Uh, I don't know. You don't know? Uh, no, I guess not, but I'm pretty sure it's high on the list. Alright, what else does she look for in a guy? I don't know. Good looks, I guess. Really? You, you don't know what else she looks for in a guy? Uh, I never thought about it. Why do you think she's with you? I don't know. I guess I make her laugh. I treat her right. Do you know anyone else in the world exactly like you? Exactly? No. Why not? What? <laughs> Why don't you know anyone else in the world exactly like you? 
Well, because there is no one else. I'm unique. We all are. Wait, I know where you're going with this and you can't fool me. You're going to say that because I'm unique, that's why she loves me and wants to be with me. Well, no and yes. It's true that your uniqueness, the formula that makes you, is the reason she is with you. But that's not why she loves you. Oh, well, why does she love me? You don't know? No, I mean, I think I do. Well, have you ever asked her? Uh, no, that doesn't sound like something I need to ask. You don't? Why would I need to ask it? Because I think you'd want to know what it is about you that she sticks around for. If you knew those things, you could amplify them and strengthen that about you so that no matter who came along, you do you better than anyone. Does that make sense? Hmm. When you're jealous, what are you focused on? Well, uh, her getting feelings about another guy. Um, and the guy having a lot of money and a good sense of humor. Um, the guy having bigger muscles than me. Um, my anger that someone else is talking to her. Um, I'm also focused on my anger about her talking to him. All right, how much time do you focus on amplifying in yourself what she likes about you? Um, hardly ever. I just figure that now that we're together, she already likes me, so there's nothing more I need to do. Once you get the girl, there's no more work that needs to be done. Right. Then why do you think she'll leave you for someone else? Well, I already said, they might be better than me in some way, or many ways. I can't make myself look any better than I am, nor have I found a way to make any more money. So you think that she is settling for you until someone better comes along. Oh, wow. I never thought of it that way, but now that you said it, I feel even worse. Really? You think she's waiting for something better and that she'd rather just spend her time with you until that better thing happens? I guess so. Now. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Alright, let's just say that a woman came along who surpassed all the qualities that you love about your girlfriend in every way. Would you consider breaking up with your girlfriend to be with the new girl? No way, I have a great relationship. Why do you say that? What? I want this relationship to last. I love her and I'm not interested in starting anything else with anyone else. Has your girlfriend broken up with you to date someone else? No. Why do you think that is? Do you think she has the same reasons that you wouldn't break up with her? Uh, I don't know. Why don't you know? Isn't that something you might want to find out? Well, I suppose it would be helpful. Maybe if you found out exactly why she hasn't left you, you'll discover what you're doing right and continue to work on those qualities about yourself. Jealousy is the buildup of insecurities within you that equate to feeling like you are less than worthy of being loved. How do you strengthen your self-worth and self-esteem? You start to nurture yourself in ways that prove to you that you are worthy. All right, there's the conversation I had with myself <laughs> earlier. Thanks for um, uh, bearing through that. But um, I, I wrote this whole thing down because I wanted to share with you uh, what happened when I tried this scenario on. Like um, being jealous about my girlfriend and maybe she's talking to another guy that looks better than me or has more money than me or is some status better than me or something that makes me feel inadequate in some way. So I went through the sort of a drill down process uh, of questioning myself 
uh, in the scenario that I'm referring to, being jealous. And that's pretty much what I came up with. So I wrote it all down, shared it with you, because there are some lessons in there. If you listen closely, you'll um, understand where I went with myself. It's self-coaching. But I also realized that this isn't a resolution. Like uh, near the end of my little conversation, I get to the point of, okay, I understand that I need to do some self-nurturing. I understand that when I'm jealous, it's not about them necessarily. It's about me and what I need to heal in myself and what I need to evolve from, so to speak, so I can get out of this triggered state. And it's funny when I was doing this and even thinking about it now, when I first got with my girlfriend, she said, you know, just don't get in between me and my friends. And she has a few male friends that she's very good friends with. And one of her other boyfriends uh, would tell her, you know, not to spend time with those guys and not to be on the phone with those guys. And I'm thinking when she first told me this before we ever actually physically met because we were talking on the phone, I'm thinking, of course, I'm not going to interfere with your friendships. I mean, I have no reason to unless you're dating these guys or something. And she's like, no, no, no. They're just good friends and they've been good friends for years. I'm like, great, (laughs) no problem. But I had to think about, let's just say that I did get jealous. What would I feel if she spent a lot of time with these guys? And it got to the point of being uncomfortable for me. Like I would um, be at home at night by myself while she was out with other guys. How would that feel? And I honestly, I I wouldn't like it. I wouldn't like that she would spend so much time with these other guys. And when I think about that, it wasn't so much that she was spending time with them. It's that she wasn't spending time with me. And my thoughts went to, well, where is she putting a lot of her emotional energy? Well, not with me. And if that's the case, I look at what I want and value in a relationship, and I think, well, when I'm in a relationship with someone, I want to spend time with them. Sometimes I go out by myself, sometimes I'll have alone time, of course, but in a relationship, I like to spend a good majority of my time with this person. So if her male friends, or even female friends, but I'm only using male because if I were to get jealous, it would probably be uh, something along that lines where she spends a lot of time with male friends, then I have to think, if she spent a lot of time with those guys, uh, how would I feel about it? And it still comes back to not necessarily her changing what she does, but me either accepting that about her or not accepting that about her and also looking inward and asking myself if I accept this as the definition of our relationship. Because if I don't like the idea that she's spending more time with other guys and it does not define a quality relationship for me, then A, I would talk to her saying, you know, you spend so much time with these guys. You don't spend enough time with me. Um, I'm feeling left out. I'm also feeling disrespected and rejected. I would have that conversation. And if she's like, well, you're trying to get in between my friends and I and I deserve me time, then I would be like, wow, okay. I don't know where that comes from, but I'll back off and I'll probably back out of the relationship. Now, this is where I go. This is something that I would do because I respect myself enough and I want a good quality 
and equality relationship that I can share with someone. And when it comes to jealousy, I think of sharing her with other people in that sense is not something I favor. I still want her to have these friends. But if the majority of her time is not with me, then it's not a relationship to me. It's outside my values of a relationship. And I would have a problem with it. And if she didn't recognize that and have the same values of a relationship that I do, then maybe we're just not compatible. I mean, there's nothing wrong with what she chooses. I mean, if this is what was happening, but it wouldn't match my values in a relationship. So I would have to back out of that relationship. I know I make it sound easy. Just back out, (laughs) just give up, uh, take off. You don't need to be with her because sometimes there's kids involved and sometimes there's a marriage certificate involved or you've been together for 20 years and now you have these jealous feelings coming up. But the first step and sometimes the hardest step is just communicating, not necessarily that you're jealous. Let's just say that you are jealous about something or your partner or someone in your life is doing something with someone else and not with you. How does that make you feel inside? Jealousy has a mix of emotions. So maybe there's some anger. Maybe there's some fear. Maybe there's some rejection and maybe some abandonment issues and insecurity for sure. And lack of confidence, maybe Uh, some more things in there too. So how do you feel inside and address that with the person in your life from that perspective? You know, when you go out three, four, five nights a week, I feel a little rejected. Like you don't want to spend time with me. You don't focus on, you know, when you go out three or four, five times a week, I feel like you want to spend time with those other guys because you want to be closer to them and not to me. You can see the subtle shift in energy when I talk about other people and how you're spending time with other people, because that is a way to say, look, What you're doing with those other people, I don't want you to do because your focus needs to be on your needs and what you need for you. Okay, so I would come back and go, okay, so what do I need? I need to have more time with you. I need to have more attention from you. Now, this is a tricky area because if you're someone who needs a lot of attention and a lot of love and they feel pressured or even smothered, they may want to spend less time with you because of that. And that's more healing that you need to do within. And if you're talking about a romantic relationship, your partner may have healthy platonic relationships outside your relationship. And they're spending, you know, a good amount of time, but not like too much time, you know, once or twice a week or whatever it is for you. But you still see it as some sort of uh, threat or something that causes you to be jealous. You have to look at yourself and ask, do I just need more love and attention than a quote normal person does? Do I need a lot of it? Do I need so much of it that I could steal all of their time and be happy? Because if that's the case, then you're not allowing them to be independent enough so that they can live an uncontrolled life, for lack of a better term. And what that means is that you're letting them be themselves. Because when you let someone be themselves, and you support what they do, they'll more likely want to be with you more. That's typically how it works. But if you want more of their time and more of their time, and they're feeling a little bit of pressure, and they're not liking the idea of spending 99% of their time with you because it's all you and no one else, 
that's when it can feel smothering. That's when it can feel like, whoa, there's way too much here. And then you'll start seeing them disappear more and more. But let's get back to what you can do or what we can do about jealousy. I think one of the first things to do is to maybe remember a time when you first started feeling jealous about anything. And everything I've read and studied about jealousy, uh, they talk about being, we're almost hardwired to be that way in the sense of um, when we're kids. And I, I even remember this when my sister would get more juice in her glass than I got. <laughs> I would be like, that's not fair. <laughs> she has a half inch more than I do. I didn't use the term half inch back then, but I remember the glasses being that close and thinking that's just not fair. So I would want an equal amount. So I would get, I guess you could call it jealous. But then um, I look uh, further ahead and put this perspective into relationships. So when I had my first real girlfriend and she would talk to guys, because that's pretty much the times I would get jealous. My jealousy came in the form of, I'm uncomfortable when you talk to guys because I'm insecure. Because if you find a guy and you like him and you go off with him, then I'm going to be abandoned and rejected. And where does that come from? I mean, if we were to break jealousy down into the emotions that make that up or the thoughts and feelings that make that up, then we might find abandonment and rejection. Because if the person we love goes off with someone else, suddenly we're left alone. So we paint this picture of the worst case scenario happening and they take off with someone else or they don't or they're just talking with someone else and we feel left alone. We feel slighted. We feel like we're not important to them. And that hurts deep down inside. And we don't want that to happen. We don't want the worst case scenario to happen. So we develop these emotions and these feelings and get jealous and we don't like it. I mean, I don't like the feeling of jealousy, but um, how do we get out of it? Well, I think one of the things to do is to nurture yourself. Like I was saying, like uh, my stepfather proved to me that I was unworthy. He didn't say it. He didn't uh, intentionally do it. I just created that feeling and thought when I was a child. So when I was with him, obviously I'm unworthy. Otherwise, he wouldn't drink. It's a childhood uh, belief. It's also a fantasy that I created. And um, then I took that lack of worth into my adult relationships. So there's some healing about self-worth that needs to be done there. There's also the idea that maybe the healthy building of our ego has not manifested over the years. You know, feeling pride in your accomplishments or not having any accomplishments so you don't feel pride. And pride is one of those um, ego builders. So when you accomplish something, if you feel pride, you feel like, wow, I'm pretty good or I'm damn good or I'm great. And that can be healthy. Believe it or not, that can be healthy. And that's a good idea. But what about when your ego is not built that way? What if it's, I'm a loser. Uh, I'm so bad at so many things. Then you will find more reasons to be jealous of others. You will find more reasons to feel in lack. So I, I believe that a good uh, strengthening and building of your ego, and I have episodes on um, building and strengthening your ego, uh, is good for you because you have to get it to a certain point where you feel good inside instead of bad. And sometimes that involves the ego. Not all the time, <laughs> but sometimes it does. So it's, it's helpful 
if you need to do that. I mean, because typically we almost always focus on what's wrong with us instead of building upon our already defined strengths. I mean, it's good to uh, strengthen your weaknesses, but it's also good to strengthen your strengths and to keep strengthening your strengths because your strengths are what make you unique along with your weaknesses. But the idea that when you're with someone, they chose to be with you for a reason and it probably was your strengths and your weaknesses. But if you look at your strengths and go, hmm, am I building upon those? Am I amplifying those? Am I paying attention to what else I need to do in me to keep growing as an individual? Because when you bring the healthiest you into the relationship, the reason the person you're with wants to be with you is because you're bringing the healthiest you. I mean, that's one of the reasons. So if you start to fall back on strengthening what's already strong in you and you fall back into your weaknesses or your pain points or whatever, and then you start uh, communicating from that place, from that uh, feeling of, I don't know, worthless or lack, then it comes across. And your partner may not see the same qualities they, that they used to see when you were more confident or more alive or energized or whatever it is. So that's good to keep in mind is where is your focus and where are you, where are you coming from most of the time? Because my goal is to be the best damn me I can be. And if jealousy stems from insecurity, which is exacerbated not only by a belief that you're not worthy of someone's love or attention, but also by failing to focus on what needs to improve in you, then try to be the best you you can be. That's not the solution to jealousy, but it's a good start to start building something in you so that when you're with someone, they want to be with you more because you are continuing to improve yourself. It's hard to be with people that don't want to improve themselves, at least for me. It's hard to be with them. So if I'm with someone who's not improving themselves, I'm more likely to look outside the relationship. If that's ever been true for you, raise your hand. <laughs> it has for me. I've been in relationships where this relationship isn't improving. She's not improving, even though I had most of the problems, I'll admit, but that's why they left me, because I wasn't improving. The trick is trying to figure out where you need to improve, right? Well, jealousy is probably one of those areas. Let's take a break. This segment's running a little long, and I want to finish this segment on jealousy, and then we'll get to Ask Paul, but uh, we'll be right back, and um, we'll finish this up. All right, welcome back. I want to wrap up what we were just talking about on jealousy. And one of the last things I said is to focus on you. When these jealous feelings come up, focus back on you and figure out what those jealous feelings are made up of. Anger, fear, insecurity, uh, worthiness or lack of worthiness, uh, self-confidence, all this stuff, whatever, um, even hatred. Whatever is inside of you, you focus on that and you go, okay, why am I feeling hatred? Why am I feeling angry? Why am I feeling insecure? And then you have that conversation that like I had with myself. You may not know what to ask, but um, you can do this trick. This is something I do sometimes is 
manifest jealousy in your mind as a, a physical being of some sort or a physical object. It's kind of weird, <laughs> but here's letting go of resistance to jealousy. You open the door in your mind and let jealousy in and tell jealousy to have a seat. And then whatever jealousy looks like to you, just um, have it in body, whatever it looks like or whoever it looks like or whatever. And then go inside even further and figure out what is the opposite. What is the opposite of jealousy? If jealousy had an opposite, what would it be? For me, it's confidence, security, no fears, no anger. So I open the door and let this being or whatever it is in. And I have this thing that I'll call confidence and security. And I'll let confidence and security have a seat. And then I'll ask, um, jealousy, why are you here? And then jealousy will respond, maybe. And then I'll get some answers, maybe. <laughs> and then I'll ask confidence, why are you here? And then confidence will give me some answers. And then, after I ask some questions, I'll have confidence and jealousy talk to each other and see if they can come to an agreement amongst each other that they both have my best interest in mind. And that's sometimes where I go with it, is that I have the two parts of me have a conversation to figure out what is in the best interest of me. And believe me, all parts of you have your best interest in mind, just that sometimes they go about it in different ways that you may not like. But they always have your best interest in mind somewhere down the line. That's why it's important to allow them in and talk to them and figure things out and have them work with each other. Because if they can work together, then you can move forward in a different way and feel different about things. So that's just something I like to do. That's a deeper subject for another show some other time. But that gives you a, a taste of um, something you can do for yourself if you still can't get past this jealousy stuff. And there's one thing to remember about jealousy. And that is that it overrides love. When you're jealous, you're not in love. And if you agree with my definition of love, which is supporting the other person's happiness, then if you support the other person's happiness, then whatever they do, if it's okay with you, it'll make them want to be with you more. I want you to soak that statement in like it's a life force <laughs> and just soak that in and just make it a part of you. By supporting someone else's happiness, that means you support them doing what makes them feel good. That doesn't mean you become a, a pincushion and take abuse or disrespect or dishonoring of your boundaries. You still have to be in integrity with you. But as you honor someone else honoring themselves, you'll find more often than not that they'll do the same with you. And when you create this type of uh, synergy, it's powerful and it's a wonderful reinforcement machine. Jealousy has a higher chance of disappearing when you feel confident that you aren't the problem. Now, getting to that point can take time, but the focus has to shift to your healing about uh, what you're insecure about, but not what other people have to do differently. Like you don't want to control the actions of others or you don't want to try to control the actions of others. Remember, it's all about uh, turning inward and figuring out what you can do to get through your triggered moments and your emotional upset, not what others can do to change to make you feel better. And that can be very hard to accomplish. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I've been there. 
But if you adopt that if you don't like someone else's behavior, but they don't have a problem with their behavior, then you are the problem. (laughs) I hate to say it, but if you stay with people whose behavior you don't agree with, then you are the one putting yourself in an emotionally wounding situation. If, however, you try to change the other person, just like I did with my marriage, you will cause resentment and eventually uh, a loss of love. It's a slippery slope, and it doesn't get any better until you do. The focus has to be on you and only you. Whenever you feel jealous, even if you have solid evidence that what the other person is doing was against you, the focus still needs to be on you. Because what do you do if someone uh, dishonors you? What is your plan of action? Do you talk about it? Do you stay silent and hope that they change? Do you get angry and tell them not to do those things against you? But what if they do it again? Do you uh, stick around and convince yourself that it will get better even though they're dishonoring you? These questions are sometimes hard to answer, but I encourage you to remember that if you're in a relationship and you're jealous, there's a reason you're in this relationship. And if you're seeking all the faults and the bad things about it, You'll find them, and then you'll base all your decisions on the stories that you make up. Of course, sometimes your fears will be justified, and you'll go, Aha! (laughs) I knew it! Because you'll find something out that they are doing that you suspected. But really, things typically won't ever get that bad if you stay focused on their happiness and what you need to do to heal in you so that you can bring the best version of you into the relationship. Do that, and you'll create uh, stronger bonds and They can't be shattered by jealous thoughts because you'll realize that all you need to do is realize how great you are. That might take some work, but that's what this show is about, helping you do the work. So there's a lot more to say about jealousy. It's a very complex emotion. Um, I can certainly access it when I try hard or when I'm really tired, (laughs) when all my defenses are down and um, I think about a certain situation with a certain person And I could certainly access those jealous emotions. And if we truly are hardwired to be jealous for some sort of survival purpose, like we need to protect our, I don't know, our species for reproduction. So we need to find a mate and keep a mate or whatever the primal original reasons that we developed uh, jealousy in the first place, whatever they are, then it's probably an emotion that we need to welcome and thank for being here. Thank you, jealousy. I appreciate that. And then we have to have some level of conscious control over what we do. Hey, I'm jealous. I realize it. Uh, I'm going to try to heal from this and process it because when I think about it, it's not a big deal because what I don't want to happen isn't happening. So there's really no reason to be jealous. Or I'm jealous because uh, this person is spending more time with his other people and not with me. So I feel slighted, I feel abandoned, I feel rejected. That is what I need to address. And that what that is what I need to move forward on and start healing and even talk about with this other person. And if they don't understand and they think I'm being crazy, maybe my needs won't get met by this person and I need to make some harder choices, harder decisions. I don't know. But jealousy is complex. And I hope this has helped with uh, anything that you feel jealous about. And certainly share with me if you've been jealous and have found ways 
to get beyond it because I haven't explored this in its entirety and I have a feeling that I need to go a lot deeper than I've gone today. So I hope this helps you. That's enough for this segment. Let's get into Ask Paul right after this. All right, today's sponsor is Asha with GetOutOfTheMess.com, and she's going to take a moment to describe exactly what this service is and what you get when you subscribe. Asha, take it away. What you get for $20 a month is access to top quality attorneys, the real attorney, not the assistant, not the paralegal, top quality attorneys who will call you back within six business hours, the right attorney for whatever topic it was that you're calling about. They'll answer all your questions. If they need more time to do research based on your conversation or they need to review a contract, they'll do that and then they'll call you back again. And they don't cut you off either right away. I've spent 30 minutes on the phone with my attorneys before when I needed them. So what what are the firms getting out of it? Why are they doing this? They do it because not only do they get 30% of all of the upfront commissions that are paid in for that state, one firm per state gets 30%. We have over three and a half million insured lives. Then on top of that, You get fast, expedited service because they're not working on billable hours, so they're going to do their best to answer it quickly and efficiently. And if you ever do have to hire them for something in the future, whether it's that call or another call, eventually you will want representation most likely. And when you do, you're going to go to them because you get 20% off. So they're getting access to all of these members, these Legal Shield members, who have been funneled to them because they are a quality firm. It's win-win. It's it's works for everyone, and I love it personally. So if you're interested and you really want to know who your firm is before you sign up, feel free to call me at 678-355-8777, and I can tell you who would be representing you, or you can go to my website, getoutofthemess.com, and fill out the form on the top or look around on there, and I'm happy to answer any questions you have. Thank you, Asha. And one of the things I really love about that service is that uh, you can find out before you even sign up who your firm is going to be. So if you're one of those uh, Google searchers and you want to find out uh, who you'll be working with, just give her a call, 678-355-8777. All right, welcome back to Ask Paul. This is where I read a listener email on the air and do my best to address or answer or resolve a challenge they're going through. And I'm going to read you a quick email that I just got a few days ago. I don't normally do this. When I receive emails, they go in the back of a very long queue and I try to get to them as soon as possible. But sometimes it takes up to, uh, lately, three months. Um, So if you're writing and you need immediate answers, I don't typically answer immediately. I just can't. There's a lot of emails come through. Unless you're in the um, gold member in the patron program, which which I uh, do email coaching and things like that. But For anyone else that uh, writes, if I don't answer uh, you right away, it's because it's in a queue and I'm sorry. It's just I receive a lot of emails and I do get to every one of them. It just takes a little time sometimes. So be aware when you send time sensitive messages to me. I'm doing my best. But I want to read this one because it is uh, holiday specific. And since today on the day this airs, December 25th, 2016, is the holiday I thought it would be appropriate. And so here is the message. It says, 
It's so draining to try and not allow toxic people, parentheses family, (laughs) try and make me feel guilty about setting boundaries and informing them when they have crossed them. Why do the holidays bring out the worst in some people? Thank you for your podcast and your knowledge. I enjoy listening. They're very encouraging. Happy holidays. All right. um, Carrie actually checked and said, yes, you can read my name on the air. So thank you for that message, Carrie. And I definitely understand what you're saying and where you're coming from. Whenever you learn, heal, grow, and evolve, your family is the final frontier. (laughs) They are the final test of everything that you've gone through and the final challenge or at least the biggest challenge that you'll have because they know you as they've always known you and they believe that you're the same person that you were when you were 6 and 16 and 20 and however old you are now. They know who you are and if they've had any level of influence or control in your life, they still believe that exists. So when you go to any family gathering, because this is what the holidays do, they uh, give us a chance to have family gatherings, which means not only do you have the dynamic of you and maybe mom or dad or brother or sister or uncles and aunts and grandma and grandpa, not only do you have those individual personalities that have their own quirks and their own dysfunctions and their own challenges in life, Not only do you have those individuals, but you also have them in the same room together and it turns into um, a dysfunctional pinball machine. (laughs) I don't know if you know how a pinball machine works, but um, most people do. You hit a ball, it hits a target, it goes up a ramp, it hits a spinner, it hits a bumper, it hits um, all these things that give you certain points and Um, A combination of them will eventually get you some special or bonus or extra ball or whatever. It's the same idea almost because the communication bounces off of mom and it has a certain value to it now. The ball bounces from your mom to your dad and now his communication style has a certain value to it. And um, then it goes down the drain when it hits your dysfunctional brother (laughs) or something like that because he brings the whole conversation down. So, I don't know, pinball might be a bad example for this, but I'm going to use it anyway because everyone's personalities are present and the holidays will typically gather families together and bring all those personalities into the same room. Can you have family gatherings without dysfunction? I don't know if it's possible. (laughs) I hate to say it because there's always going to be at least one, at least maybe two, three, four, or maybe the whole family. Because if the whole family has learned to communicate a certain way, then that probably didn't change too much, especially if none of them or very few of them have done any type of personal growth on themselves or increased their emotional intelligence or increased their communication skills or looked inward. I think a lot of people spend their time looking outward, wanting to be treated a certain way, instead of looking inward and deciding to treat others a certain way. So I think that's what the holidays do. They bring the dysfunctions and all the functions too, all the good stuff too, they just bring it all into the same area, the same close proximity. Now you have to pull out everything that you've learned about yourself and how to be in people outside your family and um, learn to honor yourself in this environment 
And that's the hard part. Like you're saying, you, you said that, um, they try to make you feel guilty about setting boundaries. And then when you inform them that they cross those boundaries, when it comes to that, your focus always needs to be on what's right for you. And I ask myself that question. I ask, is this right for me? Is what that person just said okay with me? Is it right for me? Does it offend me? Uh, is it bad for me? Is it toxic for me? And I just assess it in me. But I don't judge them to the point where I feel guilty. I don't go, wow, my sister just said something I disagree with. And she's putting me on the spot. And she's trying to maybe humiliate me in front of the family. I go back in and I ask myself, well, first of all, is this right for me? No, it's not. I don't accept this reality. I don't accept her perception of me or what she's trying to do. But I know myself well enough to know that I'm worthy and good. Period. I mean, that's where I go. I go, I am worthy and good. And I don't need to be taken down by anyone else in this room. And I just stand tall in myself. The focus always comes back to me. And I guarantee you, if you're being made to feel guilty, that other members of the family are also being made to feel guilty. And when you stand up inside you and are confident in who you are, that will be respected by the other members that uh, also feel guilty. It might be. I mean, sometimes they're in a space where they're so wrapped up in the dysfunction that's going on in the family that they may not see it in you. But that confidence does uh, rub off little by little as people are around you because they want to be more like that. I find that a lot of people that I meet that can't handle the situations that they're in and they see a situation that I can handle, they tend to want to be more like me. I hate to say that because it sounds so egotistical, but it's, and I'm not saying it for that reason. I'm saying it in the reason of the behavior that I do is something that they want to emulate. And when they see me do it, it's something that they respect about me. And I see this behavior in other people too. Like I have a friend that has no problem saying exactly what's on her mind. Even if, it, even if it's a little offensive to someone else. Because she does it without filters. She'll just speak without filter and say exactly what's on her mind. It doesn't seem like it has an intention to hurt or offend anyone else. It just seems that that's how she communicates. And once you get used to it, you go, wow, and that's kind of an admirable quality. It also can be a little bit offensive to other people if they don't know her well. But she's honest and you always know what to expect. And as long as you don't take offense to it, suddenly you're having great communication with her. So it's no big deal. I look at her and I see some admirable qualities, although I do things differently, but it's still something I can look at and go, wow. So there are people in life that we can look at and go, wow, I, I would like to be more like that. I would like to do that behavior. But let's go back to your original question, which is, um, why do the holidays bring out the worst in some people? I like to look at it this way. There's no clear cut answer, but this is the clearest I can be in, in my own mind. Like I haven't really thought about this too much, but when I think about, uh, for example, uh, the inner workings of an old analog clock, you know, with the gears and each gear turns another gear, which turns another gear, which turns another gear. And um, it's a finely tuned um, precision machine that does what it does well. You take that dynamic and then you add a gear that is slightly off, <laughs> slightly um, not balanced the way the other gears are balanced or for example that maybe the the teeth in the gear 
aren't exactly separated uh, symmetrically or, or equally. They're just a little off. And you put that gear into that finely tuned machine and suddenly the machine starts running a little wonky. <laughs> and then you take another gear and that gear is a little off or maybe it's missing a tooth. And now the machine runs a little bit more wonkier, if wonky is a word. And um, then you take another gear and another gear and you can see how as you add more gears, the machine tends to run slower, more sluggish, the time is off, and things just aren't working as they should. That is like a family that has not um, really worked on their issues. I mean, they're probably every member of the family has worked on their issues in the way they know how, but they may not have gotten to the point where they ask themselves questions like, what do I need to do inside of me so that I communicate better, so that I can um, not be in a place of judgment when I meet others, so I can respect others where they are, which is very similar to not judging them. Uh, I can meet them in their model of reality, where what they believe. Um, I can honor their values or at least respect them so I'm not doing anything against their values. I can appreciate their religious beliefs. I can appreciate their political beliefs. If you can get that way inside of you, then as far as I'm concerned, you are like enlightened. <laughs> to get that way though, takes a lot of work. If you aren't already that way, it takes a lot of work to get that way, to accept others for who they are, even when they're offensive. If you can accept others for who they are, even when they're offensive, then every gear that you add to this internal workings of the family is more and more precise, more and more tuned, um, more likely to be healthy and uh, symmetrical and work as it should. So the idea that the holidays bring out the worst in people it's not necessarily that it brings out the worst, although I'm sure that happens because there's a lot of spending money. <laughs> there's a lot of family gatherings and you put all these gears in the same machine and uh, things don't always run as planned. And typically there's always like that one or two gears that will just stop the machine completely and break everything. <laughs> that was my stepfather. <laughs> and then um, what else? The holidays can also be the end of the year like it is now. And the end of the year means uh, looking sometimes looking back and going, what have I accomplished? What have I done? Now I'm depressed. And now there's a new year starting and nothing's changed. Or things are worse. So there's a lot of emotions that come in. And everyone's dealing with their own stuff in their own way. And depending on your family, they're either going to have had a lot of stuff that happened in their life. Or they have not accomplished what they wanted to accomplish for the year or whatever. There's just a lot of issues that come up because it can mean uh, closure of one year and into the next and um, sort of like every end of the year is like a midlife crisis to some people. So I think that's why. That's my opinion. I don't know if I'm right. I'm sure it has to do with pinball and clocks, like I said. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but those are the analogies that I think of when I think of family getting together for the holidays. So I hope this helps. I don't know if it's going to um, change how you feel about uh, meeting with family, especially the ones you don't really want to meet with. But boy, if you can see everyone where they are, meet them where they are, uh, not necessarily be in disagreement with everything, but just respect their opinions, respect their beliefs, even if they differ from yours, then you might be able to have a better conversation. And you might also not have to take on the guilt when others try to um, tell you how to live your life 
or tell you what you're doing wrong or what have you. And that might mean that you don't necessarily express what your boundaries are. You just go inside yourself and go, you know what? Even if I express my boundaries, that person's going to say something against them. Sometimes you can talk to people till you're blue in the face about boundaries and they won't care. They'll just think you're wrong and they'll tell you you're wrong and then they'll make you feel guilty for it. That's a typical manipulation tactic that some people use. So you may just not have to share that because if they can turn your words into making you feel guilty, then maybe it's best to say less words. So this is something that might be very specific to each situation in your life. But certainly when it comes to family gatherings, you just have to go in with an open mind saying, there are some parts in here that will clog the machine and I'm not going to get stuck in that. (laughs) I just may have to watch uh, from an observational point of view. And I may not get what I want from each family member. I may not get a love that I want from this family member. I may not get the attention I want from this family. I, I may not get the understanding that I want from this family member. And I might have to be fine with it. If I can be fine with it, great. There's a gift. <laughs> Talking about the holidays. So hope this helps. Thank you so much for writing. And thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. Let's say some thank yous. And then I'll close the show. I'll be right back. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. And if you haven't done it yet, go to Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble and order your copy of The Overwhelmed Brain, Personal Growth for Critical Thinkers book. I call it the A to Z of self-empowerment. And, um, you know, like that last letter, uh, if you're having trouble communicating with uh, people in your life, with your family, because the holidays brings all these, quote, dysfunctional people together, (laughs) then the book will help. The book talks about uh, honoring your personal boundaries, getting in alignment with your values, uh, getting along with people, communicating with people, and building relationships that are healthy and not toxic. I've been through it. You've heard me talk about it on the podcast, but now I've put it in a book in a linear fashion to help walk you through the process A to Z. That's the Overwhelmed Brain book. And I want to thank Asha with GetOutOfTheMess.com. Hopefully you don't have any legal matters that you have to go through, but um, sometimes it just happens. Sometimes you need a contract reviewed. Sometimes you need an attorney to send a letter for you. I mean, imagine having the power to say, I'm going to have to have my attorney give you a call. (laughs) That's pretty cool. So I want you to look into those options and just know that you have someone on your side. Call Asha at 678-355-8777 or go to getoutofthemess.com. If you're in the U.S. or Canada, check it out. It's really inexpensive and worth every penny. I'm part of the program and so is Asha, so she can tell you all about it. And I want to thank you if you've purchased a book or a worksheet or used the Amazon link on the website. The Amazon link on theoverwhelmedbrain.com is the easiest way to give back. So if you've been listening for months or years or eons, use that Amazon link every time you shop. Your shopping habits do make a difference. So thank you. And finally, thanks to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. So I'm going to end the show today with an email that I got uh, regarding uh, one of the episodes I had a while back, which was called, or a segment that was called The Meaning of Communication. And um, in that episode, I talk about 
and this is perfect for the uh, holidays, right? <laughs> when you communicate with someone, you are responsible for them getting you, for them understanding what you're saying. Now, that's not necessarily a truth. It's just a philosophy in the sense that if you take responsibility for them understanding what you're saying, then you'll do whatever you can to make sure that they understand you. And having that responsibility allows you to keep your power in the sense that um, if somebody didn't understand what you said, you can go back inside you and go, hmm, how else can I say it so that they'll understand? Because if you choose to blame them or call them stupid or think that they're stupid, then really what you're doing is allowing uh, these negative feelings to come up in you and you lose some of your power, for lack of a better term. Because whenever you feel bad, it, it does sort of feel like you have less power. You feel less uh, encouraged and motivated and um, even somewhat offended sometimes if somebody doesn't get your message. But if you take responsibility for the message that you are uh, putting out there, then you'll, you learn to communicate with people in every way possible. Sometimes it can take work. <laughs> I know this because I've been communicating on the air for three years and people still write me letters and say, I don't understand what you said back then. It doesn't happen often because I've tried to fine-tune my communication for everyone and try to explain things from different angles and things like that. But I still get letters and um, one of the ones I received uh, recently had to do with this episode where you take responsibility for your communication instead of relying on someone else to understand you. I mean, yes, they still have to understand you. They still have to know your language and uh, understand your point of view sometimes and maybe understand the context in which you're referring when you talk to them. So there is a level of comprehension that they have to have. But for the most part, if someone goes, what? I don't understand. The idea is just not to get frustrated and just realize, huh, they have a different upbringing. They have a different meaning for the same words that we use. Um, there's all kinds of things that could be going on. So I'll explain it again in a different way. And that can be very helpful and um, also very understanding of the other person. Because I've said I don't understand like three or four times in a conversation before, even though other people have explained it differently and differently until they get so mad at me and then I feel like uh, I feel stupid. <laughs> I feel like they think I'm stupid. And then I walk away down. They walk away mad. And had they practiced, the meaning of communication uh, is the response that you get, which is an old um, NLP philosophy. Then maybe the conversation would have gone uh, better. And maybe I wouldn't have felt so um, put down or like um, an idiot, <laughs> I guess. So... Uh, the email that I got was about someone who feels responsible for existing in someone else's life. They wrote, you are saying that you take full responsibility on how others respond to your message. You take responsibility if they didn't get you the way you intended. But I hear you saying somewhere in this episode that you're not responsible for the feeling they have from your message. And they said, what if their response is emotional? So what they're asking is, um, what if you have an emotional response, like um, somebody like me feeling like an idiot? And I believe they made me feel like an idiot because they said, you're so stupid, you can't even understand what I said. And then I walk away feeling down and stupid and hurt or whatever else comes up. I still take responsibility for that because 
there's a part of me that must believe it's true if I feel that way. Otherwise, I wouldn't feel that way. Yes, it hurts when somebody puts me down, but if I still have healing to do in an area that they put me down in, then I am still responsible for how I feel. Because everyone has their own stuff, right? Everyone has what they're going through, and if they get mad at us, their anger is not our fault. Their anger, it could be, it could happen for a number of reasons. Their lack of resilience, their lack of toleration, their lack of patience, whatever it is. If somebody gets angry with you or puts you down in some way, what is it in them that isn't tolerant of you? <laughs> that sounds awful <laughs> because it's like you need to be tolerated. It's, it's not that at all. It's that sometimes, as far as communication is concerned, you may not understand something that someone says and they may have to repeat it several times and you still don't understand it because of a number of reasons. Maybe you don't have the foundational information that you need to make the concept digestible for you. Or maybe when someone's talking about an apple, they're talking about fruit and you're thinking about a computer. <laughs> There's all kinds of ways that uh, miscommunication can happen. But um, anyway, on with this letter... Uh, he says, the reason I'm baffled about this is my attempt to understand how I feel about my relationship with my dad and his sister. And he tells me a story about how his dad was in debt. And he believes that because he was his dad's kid, that had he not existed, his dad wouldn't be in debt. Therefore, he feels responsible for his dad's debt. And I go, wow, that's a huge burden to bear. That's a lot of pressure. What I hear when he says that is that um, I feel responsible for every decision that my dad made before I was born and after I was born. And I ask, why? Why would you take responsibility for him choosing to create you and put himself in a situation where he was in debt regardless of your existence first of all? Because he could be in debt no matter if you were born or not. But why would you take responsibility for his decisions that brought him into the place that he was at before you were born that led to the chain of events that caused him to bring you into the world and then after you were born, his debt having to do with that summation of all the decisions that he's made? My question stands as why would you take that burden on? Unless you believe you were around before you were born, <laughs> which is possible. I, I won't question whatever beliefs that you may have, but um, from the way you wrote this letter, I have a feeling that you don't believe that you were around before you were born, but for some reason you take on the responsibility for his decisions before you were born. Because this is really what it's about. It has nothing to do with you being born or after you were born, you being a burden. Because we all make decisions from the moment we're conscious of our decisions uh, that lead to the life that we have. So it's possible that he could have been wealthy and happy and then decided to bring a baby into the world and suddenly he realized how much a child can cost and then he made different decisions, got a different job, uh, or fell under hardships. But you still can't be responsible for him choosing to bring you into the world. Because you know what that does? That 
takes away his power and his ability to choose life for himself. So if you feel guilty about existing, that you're a burden to him, and you feel like, like you said, you're weighing him down, I give you permission to let that go because if you hold on to that, if you hold on to that responsibility, you take his power away. You take his ability to decide for himself what's right and what's wrong in his life. He must have been awfully glad to have you in the world for you to, to be here, for him to make that choice to keep you. And I'm not talking about pro-life and pro-choice. I'm not getting into that debate. <laughs> I'm just saying if you're here and you exist and he was also burdened with debt because that's the burden, not you. The burden is debt and his choices led up to that debt, not yours. Your existence has nothing to do with his choices before you were born. Because all those choices led to a chain of events that uh, before you were born kept on going whether you were going to be born or not. But he chose to bring you into the world. Which might mean that maybe your life was more important than having money. That might be a weird way to look at it. It may or may not be true. But it certainly is a more resourceful way to look at it. Because... If someone goes broke having a kid, wow, they must want that kid. So I want you to look at it that way. Don't look at it in the sense of having no money means it's a bad life. That's not what I look at. I look at it as, wow, you brought me into the world? Thanks. I mean, that's what my mom did. My mom, she had two kids before me. And then when she had me, my father left and she was broke. I remember the old welfare stamps. They were colorful and she had to use them at the grocery store because we were on welfare. And she told me stories of how broke uh, we were when we were very young. But I never went to, wow, I was a burden for being born. When I think about those times, I go, wow, everything my mom did for me must have meant that she really, really loved me. That's where I go. So I don't want you to think of a lack of money as being a reason to feel burdensome for existence. Those just don't equate. I want you to look at your life and go, wow, look at everything my dad did for me and be grateful. Because if you feel guilty, then what does it mean everything he's done for you? I want you to just put that into perspective. I don't want you to feel I don't want you to feel bad. I want you to feel good knowing that he really did a lot to make sure you had uh, somewhat of a good life. And for those of you listening, there's more to the letter that I didn't read to uh, keep his privacy, but, but uh, he said that his dad had to make some sacrifices to take care of the kids. And that's huge. That's a lot of love. That's somebody who wants something so bad that they're willing to do anything to make sure that their kids are happy and taken care of. That's love. That's support. So don't take that away from him. Accept the love and accept the things that he had to do to make sure you were in a good place and uh, raised uh, as well as he could raise you. And let's take that as a, a way to look at our own life and go, wow, I'm alive. <laughs> I must have made it through some hard times to get this far. And some people did do a lot to make sure that I got here. And then some other people tried to stop me. <laughs> <laughs> like my, my stepfather, I don't think he tried to stop me necessarily, 
but he certainly hindered my progress, my mental health and evolution along the way. And there are probably people in your life that try to hinder, not intentionally maybe, or maybe intentionally, who knows. But you're still here. You made it. Sure, you might have some baggage. We all have some baggage somewhere, right? I think. <laughs> and we have to work on that stuff. Great. But we're still here. We made it. So maybe we can take that and keep our open mind and step into our power and be firm in our decisions and actions so that we can create the life we want. I want you to always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing.